0: Welcome to Real Indigenous, where real Indigenous people talk about real Indigenous cinema and media. Uvanga Angela starts, and with me are my two co-hosts, if you'll introduce yourself.
1: And the CEO
2: Hawaii.
0: Hoi <laughs> to. Kelly. We have a very special guest with us
2: tonight. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Maddie. Thanks so much for having me on. We have a special
0: reason for asking Maddie to join us. As everyone knows, we've been discussing reservation dogs. We've been discussing it episode by episode. And since we're all in Oklahoma and we all know Sterling, and so we kind of have had that conversation, we thought it would be nice to get an outsider perspective on reservation dogs. So I was recently in New York City and had dinner with Maddie. And the topic came up and she was very enthusiastic about the series so I Loved thought it. oh this would be great
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's uh it's worked out perfectly that was just me I had had a wine I'm not gonna lie I had had a wine at dinner and I was just wanging on about the telly shows that I was enjoying and then the fact that you had such a connection to it and um our mutual friend mentioned that you were it's in the video clip, I was starstruck. I met a celebrity. <laughs> Very exciting.
0: Greasy fry bread. Greasy fry bread.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Look, it's a it's it's a fantastic show. So I'm really excited to be here today. And and uh, yeah give whatever insight i can as a, as a as a non-american as you can hear from the uh from the accent so how did you find the series i'm curious probably just a little bit of social media i really like takeaway tt and obviously you know i'm from australia originally i should probably um give a little bit of background so i'm from australia but i lived in the uk for quite some time uh so my accent is really all over the place and now i live in new york which is really exciting um and so anything that's that's sent out that's got an australian or a new zealand attached to it that little and That spirit you keep an eye on as an expat when you're living in other places so I was first of all the name sounds amazing it's a teen comedy which is my all-time kind of favorite you know a quirky teen comedy is my favorite kind of genre of media to consume currently I've got enough heavy stuff in the real world I like to keep it light on my media so that's kind of how I heard about it and then the very first episode I ever watched because it was based in Oklahoma and I haven't seen as much of the U S our mutual friend and uh, we were chatting about it. I was like, Oh, is this Oklahoma? Like, is this, you know, kind of where you're from or whatever. And she's like, listen, I've got so much to tell you about this show. So just having that extra connection to what is also just like a, really funny entertaining sitcom um has made it an extra special watch i think oh that's awesome you know sterling and taika were at sundance together oh wow so that's how they started their friendship for many years yeah i mean it, it 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 comes across as such a friendly show and i'm not gonna lie i I did a little googling just in the last couple of days because i knew i was gonna be chatting with you guys um and i wanted to make sure that i didn't say the wrong thing but the fact that it is not only all an indigenous cast but also an indigenous crew as well i thought that was such a you could you you can tell I think that's the easiest way to say it is that you it feels it watches family it watches very funny it feels like there's a lot of inside jokes and things I'm not getting I googled a lot during this show like from the first episode onwards I'm like is this a an American thing is this an indigenous thing is this an Oklahoma thing so yeah it's a it's an education as well as an entertainment (laughs) yes we are a flyover state so (laughs) (laughs) maybe not after this maybe this will put the uh it's a fictional town, right? So, but you know, maybe this will uh, bump up a little bit of a little bit of tourism for the region. Absolutely. Oh Lord, can you imagine people going to o- Oakmogi?
3: <laughs> see the locations <laughs> of restaurants. That's
2: I
1: went so- to Oakmogi. <laughs> Why?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: oh, because God. you had to.
1: <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I had never seen the Creek Council House, and I decided that I wanted to see the Creek Council House, so. I took a left turn down Main Street for Okmulgee just to go see it. And that's a tale in and of itself. But Okmulgee is a very cute, quaint little town. But, you know, sometimes when you're native, you kind of got to know what's the police situation like in there. That's just kind of part of living and part of small town living. You never know what what towns are more speed trappy than others. And so, do you, uh, do you have a tribal tag? I do. I yep. do have a tribal tag. I have a Cherokee Nation tribal tag. But I got pulled over in Kansas one time because they didn't recognize my Quapaw tag. Now, my Quapaw tag was very different than my Cherokee Nation tag
2: tag is a bright red and blue. Cherokee Nation tag is gray. So you know. So I this guess is a whole separate license plate. Is this yeah. a, a okay? Wow. And what having the tag means that you are is it is it does that give you a, a level of security feeling when you're going through some of these small towns, or is it almost vice versa? It's kind vice it can versa. be vice versa. <laughs> wow. It
1: can be vice versa because like in Kansas, I got kind of pissed off at that cop because I was like, "How dare you? These are like my ancestral homelands. I didn't say that, you know, because can you know because he's the cop. <laughs> (laughs) But I got a little I got a little PO that he didn't recognize. He couldn't see the name Quapaw Nation, I guess, on his tag. But I got a little PO because I would never gotten pulled over because a police officer couldn't recognize my tag before. But since I live and work around Cherokee Nation, that had never been an issue. I never even got pulled over in Savannah for having Quapaw Nation or for... I lived in Savannah, Georgia for a few years and granted I biked more than I, than I was in my car, but I didn't ever get pulled over in Savannah, Georgia, where we were, we were kicked out of Northern Georgia. You know, I never got pulled over over there, but Kansas, Kansas, I got pulled (laughs) over. So watch out for them up there. that's
2: the well, line
0: it happens all over rural oklahoma if you have a tribal <laughs> tag
2: especially if you drive a res car this is a term that i have learned since watching the show that what is resi and what is not now i have to ask a question i am a i am a, a white australian is that a term that is allowed to be used by non-indigenous folk or is this kind of one of those like inside jokes for us you shouldn't be using a type term
1: Oh, I guess it depends on the context. Sure. Because also since our reservation status is just now being recognized in Oklahoma, I kind of never used it. I didn't use it as much just because for me, like growing up, I was taught that we weren't, well, that our reservations weren't recognized and it felt kind of like I was taking something from the reservations that are recognized up north and all around the, the rest of the United States. So I never, I never used it in that sense, but now now I do.
3: <laughs> I hear people like saying that that before this was a reservation status. It was like the IT is so what we'd say, like Indian territory. So okay. that is like the, the replacement of, of red.
0: I'm like totally displaced from Alaska and raised in Western culture fully assimilated. So your guess is as good as mine. I've never (laughs) referred to anything of mine as resi. In fact, that meme where the the guy is like, I'm rather resi myself is (laughs) very applicable to to me. (laughs) (laughs) Although when I was working for IHS, I got kind of a crash course in res cars and various behaviors. That was interesting. Mm. So that was kind of my first yeah. experience with that.
3: Yeah. And the other thing, like Indian cars is what we kind of called it. And so you'd say Indian in, in replacement of, of res. I think resi is kind of more of a newer term to me.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's a newish term. And I think for me, it goes back to a topic that we brought up on an earlier podcast that was like, there's some native humor that we all, we all get, we understand, but it hasn't always, we haven't always had that lived experience, like the Indian car the res car. Although my dad operated on Indian time all the time.
0: Yep. And whenever we had a meal and he said the prayer, <coughs> the food would get cold. Yep. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing. That's a thing. That is a thing.
2: <laughs> I think that's Long one of the things I enjoyed the most about the show though, is that it was for someone who's not born in America. I've had no really introduction or discussion about indigenous life in America outside of like really basic history, which is to be fair, probably fairly similar to my education in Australia around the indigenous cultures there as well, which has obviously gotten a lot better. But when I went to school in the 90s, it wasn't amazing. Is the fact that it was that it's a it is a, it is a current program. It's funny. There's not it's not just about the trauma and the having to live on a reservation and you know having to, you know, be downtrodden and, and 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 marginalized and yes obviously there's there's moments of that and elements of that because that's real life and I get that but the fact that it was and I again speaking as a white person kind of coming into this I really like to see art moving towards you know more real life why can't you have a love story that happens to be a, about indigenous people why can't you have a, a horror film that happens to be about that and the entire topic isn't just because of your of your race and that's been really that was one of the things I most enjoyed about this show you kind of almost forget to me it was just a, a rollicking tale and then there'd be an inside joke or I'm like what is the dear lady and I'm googling away you know what I mean so that was that's something that I found the most entertaining about it and you know most educational for someone who didn't grow up here i would be like oh look at that and that's where that is and that's what that life. it's so yeah you know for me every day's a school day and I get to do it while I'm having a giggle at a a great show with such a handsome cast everyone's really fit so um and i mean (laughs) i don't know if i should say that but they are um so yeah so it was uh yeah it's a good show and i'm gonna i think i might sit down for my third rewatch after i've chatted to you guys today Yeah. which was your Do favorite it. episode um i liked the um i don't know how the, i don't know the names of the episode when they're trying to call the rain or just he's like I, he's like i can control the rain i've got it i was in stitches he made me laugh really hard <laughs> that's the uncle right when they try yeah. and he i don't know what it was he just that made me giggle really hard mm-hmm. everyone's got an uncle brownie though don't they yeah. they're like listen <laughs> i got I this
3: if not they should right (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of fit you probably that's probably like that final scene was probably very enjoyable
0: (laughs) oh my gosh when you stood up i
2: rolled off the couch oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's great and i was i I was joking to you when we had dinner uh in new york Angel saying like we all run around and we all call each other shit ass now uh <laughs> it's just been one of those really entertaining things and if someone gets it you're like great you've seen it you understand you've got a good same level of humor as me so it's like a little code word now but it's a it's a great phrase i drop that quite a lot
1: <laughs> yeah
2: do it People will be very happy to hear that
0: because you know, i don't know if you followed them on instagram but they would put little pieces of tape on their fellow crew members that said shit ass <laughs> and like hidden places
2: and then take pictures like on the sly and post them. i love it <laughs> it's almost like a term of endearment so i feel like as in australia swearing's very big obviously and there are certain words which i will not mention now but for example the c word the c bomb can be used very positively if you are a if you are a a mad c you are the best friend of anyone could be but if you're a shit c you're a bad person so like (laughs) i feel like it's you know reclaiming swears uh i'm all about it i love it and i think that shit ass is a really just a just rolls off the tongue beautifully as well (laughs) (laughs) so you liked
0: uncle brownie okay so we have season Lovely. two coming up. So what do you think? I'm so think excited.
2: Is gonna, any ideas of what might happen? What do you want to see? So I think, I mean, I kind of, I want them all back, right? I want Laura to be back and to be happier with being where she is. But I don't, that's, I don't know if that's in her soul, in her core. She's a, a wanderer and has a, has a restless heart, but it's just so sad and I want to give her a cuddle. So I would like to see them Come back and be all like, yeah, California was amazing. It was amazing. But then, like, <laughs> flashback, they lived in poverty and had an awful time, and the car broke down, and you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, well, we always talk about they're not even going to make it like out <laughs> <they're>
3: of
1: <not gonna laughs> Especially like if this. it's got a tag. <laughs>
3: as as tag so, uh,
2: it's not going to make it out I? of Oklahoma.
3: As far as Texas, maybe. Amarillo, yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs>
2: Willie Jack's my favorite, favorite, favorite. I don't, I just want them to remain excellent and to continue going hunting and just having these moments and making me laugh and cry within about 30 seconds of each other. So, what amazing acting and what a, what a brilliant character. And I just, I'm really enjoying Bear's little like growing up moment and, and, and in, you know, his, I mean, obviously, his uh, the the who, who the the warrior that visits him. I I don't know the warrior's name. I'm sorry. That makes me laugh every time. It's just it's so absolutely take away cheesy, right? That, it's, that, it's that absolute like. I it made me because I'd watched Jojo Rabbit not long mm. before seeing yeah. Reservation Dogs, and I was all like, oh my god, this is. That weird kooky hitler type character all over again right not related to hitler obviously do you know what i mean
1: (laughs) 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 it came out and i was like no not like that um we know what you meant like it's like they it's like they probably saw each other maybe you know like they like they were spirits passing
2: in the night or something like that not that they're in the same place but you know (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so um yeah I mean just enjoying his you know absolute teenage attitude to it all without actually having this moment of realization and thought that there is more and he's part of a bigger thing and you know it's a surprisingly deep show for a 30 minute sitcom it's 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 that's I that's what really draws me to it that's you know kind of as I said at the start of our conversation today that I like light and I like I want something entertaining and I want to be eating my dinner and you know just kind of chilling out but it's it it sticks with you and you rewatch it and you're like oh, I missed that and that's another little piece that's coming in. So I'm hoping that we get another good blend of that in season two, but definitely more laughs. Like the spicy chips I just I can't to this day I'm like like you can't eat that many spicy chips you're gonna hurt your stomach. I just <laughs> <laughs> and I feel that man you get me a, it's, I'm like that with pickles I hurt myself one time Because I bought a really oh. a set of these spicy Pickles that I loved and I was like Stop eating them you're going to hurt yourself smash them all in a day I, <laughs> I spent the entire night on the bathroom floor like rubbing my stomach so I felt for them in that moment I was like we have been there when the chips are so good and you can't not so I do hope we get a lot more kind of moments like that moving forward <laughs>
1: <laughs> I want to know like as the as a non-native person I want to know your take on some of our uh, some of our supernatural beings like dear lady and like tall man because those are some of them those Are some of our favorite stories because we love we love scary stories until we get too scared, until we get too scared and we gotta stop, and then we gotta go smudge and, and go <laughs> and go say a prayer, you know. Yeah, but I wonder like what'd you think of like those um, those beings? Because you know, I, I only hear them a lot of times in local stories, and sometimes they're recorded, but sometimes they're not, doc, you know, written about.
2: And how amazing is that to have this whole entire rich history. Of, of tales that don't exist outside of an oral tradition I love that I've got to be brutally honest a lot of it I hadn't heard of before or I'd heard like an anglicized version of you know something on the internet and I was like oh that's that weird like internet meme or whatever and then like dear lady I googled I was like is this just a weird storytelling arc like what a funny fable and then I was like Oh no, that's like a, a real thing, and I loved it because I'm like, we do need to keep men in line, and that's a great like if whatever scares them straight. Oh, I'm I know. For it. Sorry, Tully, I'm sure you're okay, <laughs> but like. Tully understands. We, we may have a had a lady. visit from
0: dear lady in the past. We don't know.
2: <laughs> and I kind of want to be dear lady. I'm like, yeah, come at me. I'll stomp you. Um, love that, and it like that's I. Brutally honest, I hadn't heard a lot of it at all, and then so it's been really, really interesting going. Oh, that has like that's true, and that's believed, and that has a you know a really rich tradition of keeping people straight. I oh, love it. That's great. Yeah. I haven't heard yeah. about Tall Man though. Yeah, is that like Sasquatch. He's like Sasquatch. Oh. oh, he's yeah. like our Sasquatch. our
1: Sasquatch. We, oh, we, we cool. they just call him that, and um, they call him Hunka, right? Call him Hunka or Tall Man and and Creek. I think it's what they call them.
2: Great, I'm gonna. Yeah. There's gonna be a lot of googling after this conversation as well, and yeah. getting right into it. Yeah, yeah. And some of some of our conversations about those, uh, those
3: like dear lady and tall man, is like we talk about, you know, because for us they're like they're not like what do you call it? Mythical mythical figures. They're actual real beings. And so like mm-hmm. you know like I don't know if we call it what Angela said, but like my cousin has a story of what she has met dear woman. And she tells this story and and like, you know, she could be bullshitting, but in reality, you know, we didn't, we never even thought of her as bullshitting because she always has these crazy weird stories going on about like ghosts and shit. And for us, it's like in the real. And I don't know if you ever thought, if you saw it as something in the real or if you just saw it as like this, like kind of like scary stories you tell people. What what was your perception of it as, as, if it was as as a real thing, because a lot of natives see these things as as actual real beings. That's amazing.
2: I definitely thought it was a little bit more on the on the uh, urban legend side, you know, like it's like one of the you know almost a a, a Father Christmas Easter Bunny esque type kid management story. But I love it even more that it's real. And now because I yeah now oh my god I have so much reading to do yeah no I, I actually had no idea but that's amazing and is it so your when did you hear this story from the cousin like this is this is recent so in this day and age you will be telling people you'll be like yep dear lady's coming torments there this is these are real beings existing in this world is this a are they but non-human like what's the what's the definition what's the distinction
3: it's basically like a show where she has the deer legs, but like a human upper t- torso part. Huh. And, yeah, right. Um, and, and so, like, even you know, like when we talked about that episode, I was at a, at some campgrounds, and I was about to start talking about like ghosts and scary stuff, and somebody said, Shh, don't be saying nothing." as you "Don't say nothing here, otherwise you'll invite them." And so being oh. like, "Okay, okay," and then like that next night or so she said now I can tell you and, and she was telling me all the stuff that happened and she talked about how deer woman showed up there and had jumped over these bleachers and all this stuff and so then we were talking about deer woman blah 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 and then that episode came on we sat and watched the episode and there was
2: Dear Woman. We said, oh, shit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you manifested that. You brought that into being by, uh, by talking about it. Wow. Yeah, and, so, and so when I was going, I said, I better go home. I don't want to be out too late. Dear Woman's going to catch up with me. You. So,
3: you know, and, and so, yeah, so it is like within our, yeah, so it is, do we
2: have, you know, life, there are people day, who yeah. say
3: they've seen this thing and, I've never like think they were bullshitting to me, you know. And and there's also been articles about Tall Man and like this influence it has on Native peoples, like in, in reservations and how it it causes like they're saying a lot of times this Tall Man appears when tragedy happens, usually suicide. And so that for us Indians, you know, when we see that in this TV show and it it is followed by a suicide, it's based upon this this concept. And so, you know, there's layers of thing like you said there's layers of thing that, you know, a non-native may miss, but you're yeah. still catching what's going on. Mm-hmm. But
2: so that's what that's about, you know. I feel like I need to go back and listen to every single one of your guys's podcasts and then <laughs> rewatch for the third time and make sure that like I'm capturing all this this rich tapestry. Yeah. Wow. And what is the what is the is there a purpose in life as dear lady or tall man? what is their goal? I understand how they relate to us and to our lives, but like, what is their, they're just out there doing their thing, keeping the peace appearing. Hmm fascinating kind of a little bit
3: i mean like like in the show dear lady is there to do things to bad people mm-hmm. she's kind
1: of a vigilante but i think yeah. i think those those beings i wonder if maybe they are um maybe they are a way of looking at balance and things that are out of balance and that they they when the balance is off like they either go in and keep the balance or they show up whenever the balance is off because uh there's that I know that there's that idea of living in balance amongst the people who've grown up around the the stomp grounds. Uh, that there's that idea of being in balance, and so I wonder if maybe they have something to do with that, with maybe keeping the balance and that, I, that idea coming from an older idea of how uh, our nations and our peoples used to think of justice.
2: Yeah. It's kind of lovely, even even with the the scarier connotations or arriving at times of great stress and great sadness around a suicide it's kind of lovely to think that there is an opposite reaction right and, and one that, that restores a balance and is, is overall about keeping harmony mm. and keeping health that's kind of it It makes it much more it makes it feel much more integrated rather than like watch out you're gonna get punished
3: Yeah. And and there are other like beings who are like on the other side of that spectrum too. the positive be like, I don't know if you want to call it positive, negative, but saying dear woman is there to get the bad people or whatever. Whereas on this other side, there's, you know, these beings that are healers and and these kind of things and so but the reason we see these other stories because a lot of times that's what we mostly talk about in our in our because they're the they' the deciding ones they're the fun ones, ones right, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah and our cosmology as Candace told me that's that's what we should be calling it, is our cosmology is that you know, there's there's that balance. There's a balance of, of beings who do this thing, there's these beings who do these other things. And they're not necessarily for some some tribes, not all tribes, I don't know how Creek is, but you know, they're not necessarily always good or bad. They just happen to be the beings that are there, just like life and death, you know. Death right. happens and, and it's it's sad and it sucks, but just a part of our existence, you know
2: well we're the ones that kind of give it the bad or good right like we're the ones that, that, that give it imbue it with a meaning but you're right it's just a balance it, it's a literal being you're just being there interesting I like that so much of the conversation that we've had tonight is I don't know and I, maybe I, I like this about a lot of kind of indigenous conversations about culture and, and I'm going to absolutely fluff the way I say this it that, that there is a there is a an introspection and a thought and a um, I'm not saying giving a meaning to everything and making it all mystical and googly and spiritual and like, you know, all that sort of stuff, though there's obviously elements to that and everything. Um, I just think that being a white Australian is pretty boring, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like, cool. Yeah. I just, you know, and it's, it's nice to, to speak with people who have a culture that has a consideration and a thought for for so many behaviors over the years and things like that. Have I made a really bad explanation of that? Was, it just yeah, I I think that um
0: well, it's and, it's been
2: really interesting. And here's something that
0: I always like to bring up to people who are like, Well, I'm an American or I'm an Australian. Well, you're also part of colonization. And oh, why didn't I mean, Vader here? No, 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 no. Right. No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm gonna back it up even further. So that the people that came to Australia and to the United States were displaced by England basically right like the queen for everything right you could have been (laughs) like your ancestors could have been in ireland you know just slaying their lives living their best lives as druids and here came the english (laughs) and scooped them up and we're like you're gonna be just like us or we're sending you to australia and you're you're like oh dang where's all my druid people in australia i guess i'm just gonna be australian now you know yeah 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 Fair. I always think it's important for non-natives to think about how you got where you were because you could have been just enjoying my potato farm in Ireland or,
2: you know, yeah, or, uh, you know, pre, pre pre-Roman invasion of the UK. What was it? They're all, they're all Wiccans and pagans and just, you know, building huts and having amazing, you know, making Stonehenge. Yeah. I've been forced to the land of, of, gorgeous beaches and great weather I mean awful absolutely awful <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah and that's the thing that you know a lot of like Angela said that's what I hear is like you know this talk of being you know not connected but you are at the end of it all we all come from these this culture this deep rich culture of similar things these similar ideas and concepts and similar beliefs and somewhere along the way that colonized idea came into the minds of whoever wanted to conquer and invade and learn that by killing someone's culture is one way of doing genocide you know mm-hmm. and not only to just like you know people of color but within their own you know mirrored selves and mm-hmm. so it, so yeah doing those kind of things where you look back and like you said like you know in, in Ireland there's that deep rich culture there's a language mm-hmm. there's these stories of these cosmological figures that that are in these stories and you know it's just about like I said the druids and all these things it's, mm-hmm. so,
2: it's,
3: so don't no, don't, don't discount yourself there, <laughs> right, exactly. you're beautiful just as you are
2: <laughs> stop it thank you it's, it's been so i opening um moving to the u.s and i moved here in 2018 and, and especially on the side of anything to do with 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 race has been like at a peak over the last few years and it is something that in Australia I think it's just literally due to volume right it's just that we just there are less people there are less Indigenous Australians so there's less noise being made it has been amazing just amazing in terms of absolutely eye-opening and maybe you know you don't feel this way but that the strides that have been made towards having the reservation recognised, having having like literal number plates that are proudly displaying your you know, your ancestral lands or your where you're living and things like that is is incredible and i think about kind of where australia is and it just feels so far away from that, that next level. So we just had Australia Day and Australia Day is essentially a marketing made up thing. It happened in the middle of the 80s and it's not a date of anything. It's just the date one of the boats landed in the harbour. And over the last few, probably 10 years has been a really big push about calling it Invasion Day because it really was the start of an absolute bloodbath absolutely horrifying and there are so many other dates that we could have if you wanted to celebrate Australia becoming a country there's a date that we signed a paper and we're like cool we're a federation off we go but we don't celebrate that one because it's new year's day and no one wants another holiday on that day so like give us another one in summer we'll have we'll have the 25th of January and so there's been a really big push on that and it's been I think from that and the power of social media and connecting different first nations people around the world right there's been a really big push on essentially paying the rent reparations right like there is literally a uh, a a, a charity that their big advertising is every year around Australia Day, they're like great happy Australia day please pay the rent and so coming to the U.S and seeing how different cultures here have probably with blood sweat and tears definitely with blood sweat and tears have advanced a little bit further in getting actual monetary and and physical recognition from governments and government bodies and people and i appreciate it's not where it wants to be it has been really heartening because i kind of i would really like to see some of that strength and some of that appreciation in australia i was having a listen to the radio today and there's actually a thing at the moment the australia post so our US Postal Service, Australia Post, are now going to allow you as part of your address to put the land of the, the Indigenous lands on your, as part of your address. So mine will be like 123 Smith Street, Gurner Country, Adelaide, South Australia, which is where I'm from. So I was, that's something that, like I said, going to school in the 90s, I would never have even thought about it. Um, and now you cannot go to a public ceremony or a, um, any, a council meeting, anything like that without at the start, the, the the holders of this of the um of the meeting or whatever, recognizing the lands on which they're standing, and so I think that's a lovely thing to see, and I hope that it continues more in Australia, and I hope that we borrow some of the the strength and the progress made in the US, even though it may not feel like it, <laughs> to go a little bit further. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I
3: don't know how it went, went with Australia, what the pushback was within the government. But here in the U.S., there's there's this pushback of not wanting to even recognize that. They can't even name that this was a genocide that happened here. And that, you know, is the first, is a bad step. And I was in uh, Sydney about two or three years ago. And I did see, you know, like even at shopping malls, there was those, you know, those acknowledgments of who's mm-hmm. landed. And I, yeah. I was very impressed with that. And I was like, oh, this is so cool, man. Yeah. Da, da, da. But you know, there is, like you said, there is still that. I history. mean, it's
2: baby steps. I think people yeah. would much prefer, you know, great healthcare, absolute recognition <laughs> of, you know, a complete stolen generation rather than just a, as a plaque at a supermarket. But baby <laughs> yeah. steps.
3: Yeah, no, that the the, the <laughs> Aboriginal brothers and
2: sisters are like,
3: yes. <laughs> you know, there's a lot more they could do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And like from from like a white Australian, it is a, you know I'm I'm younger and I am I, it, it's it's a social justice thing that I'm quite passionate about, so I'm involved in it and really excited about it. But like the the difference I have seen is that like my grandparents, my parents, random racist uncles and aunties on Facebook now understand know why people are across about the day, and they know which lands they're standing on. I'm like this would have been unheard of ten years ago. So again baby steps but it's nice to see it integrated and and like you know even going back to the telly show there are there is now a lot of black productions in Australia that aren't about them being taken away or 1950s Australia when when you know it, it, what is it called trauma porn it, it's not that it's just a tale that happens to be an indigenous family that happens to be living their life and and that level of of normalizing I guess a really awful way to say it that's what i feel is going to push the needle even more towards understanding it because it's so much easier to be empathetic and to understand how displaced or how poorly treated you've been if you're like oh they're just like us i'm like yeah and we did this to them so fingers crossed that got real deep didn't it sorry guys it's just (laughs) a television show we were talking about but yeah
0: now uh, i have a question is there a show similar to reservation dogs in australia I
2: don't know about a teen show, but yeah, there is definitely less so on the, the main network. So Australia doesn't kind of really have Like the cable, anyway, it doesn't matter. There's like five major TV stations, right, in Australia. So, yeah, there's one that, there's two that's, one that's government funded, kind of like a PBS, NPR type thing. Great content though, like the BBC, it's the ABC in Australia. And there is definitely, I think it's actually in their charter that they have to have um, a a certain percentage of Australian content. I think it's a minimum of 50%. And then of that, I believe in the last few years, there's actually been a push to make that, a certain amount of that has to be Indigenous content and also, you know, our uh, immigrant um, content as well. Australia prides itself on being really multicultural, even though—and I thought it was like that until I set foot in the U.S. and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, I mean, having having an Italian neighbor doesn't make you multicultural, but you know, we're getting there. So yeah, there's definitely—I'm gonna. There, there are definitely some uh, some good shows, and I'll send you guys some some recs so that you can uh, you can dive in and have a look. Oh, cool! Yeah, thanks.
0: I, what is it? The show I watch is Miss Fisher and her. Oh, I don't know Miss Fisher. She's
2: it's oh. from the ABC in Australia. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know the ABC, here, so but than- I mean, I haven't I haven't been back for a while, so I need to uh, I need to catch up. I'm going for a visit in a couple of weeks, and I'm sure Mum will absolutely pummel me with that but yeah no I haven't uh I haven't got anything I haven't had anything new for a while well good we'll watch for those rec yeah absolutely we'll see I think the other
0: show that we that's on streaming right now that features Indigenous people is Rutherford Falls have you heard of that at all
2: no is this another Hulu one no it's on
0: Peacock okay and uh, and how do
2: you guys you guys sound less excited about it than Reservation Dog
0: well it's very L.A okay (laughs) you know we've talked about reservation dogs is very much a slice of life in Oklahoma in eastern Oklahoma because if you go to western Oklahoma it's a completely different story love that completely different story just a few miles
2: away love it
0: yeah so Rutherford Falls is actually headed by some of the showrunners from The Good Place
2: okay
1: and Mm -hmm.
0: Brooklyn Nine-Nine so it's like Hollywood it is
2: a big deal okay yeah, Ed okay. Holmes
1: is the is um the star okay. and uh we have a really cool native lady Janish Meeting who is his best friend. She, yeah, she's his best friend. I was going to call her his foil, but I'm not sure cuz he gets to be like the crazy, but she's also like fun and kooky. I I, I love Rutherford Falls myself, but rather uh no, I don't have um I don't know how to articulate that, but Rutherford Falls was a lot of fun. It's also laugh out loud has a lot of native humor. It's just that reservation dogs, it had that kind of documentary, like real authenticness to it. And it's not that for Falls didn't, it didn't, but it also kind of felt like, I don't know, like what we could dream our relationships where they could be headed sometimes. Yeah. And it's so more you know, of
0: an examination of who gets to tell history.
1: Yeah. Who gets to tell history and uh, who tells your story and who owns that story. And mm-hmm. um, this, you know, our main character, uh, well, Ed Helms comes to the, you know, he starts to question his whole place, his whole lives, and his family's, uh, their contribution to this town that they founded. And they live next door to this fictionalized tribe, the Minishankas,
0: who has, they have a casino and they're building a cultural center. And so it's very, it marches in step with a lot of the things that happen with tribal nations in order to get their revenue up and then start, you know, bringing up their culture and then using that revenue to support their, their citizens. And so it's, it's not a slice of life show, but it's mm-hmm. a deeper examination of where everybody is in the world and in history. And it's got some, I mean, Michael Gray eyes is in it and his performance. And that is, mm, yeah. Oh my gosh he's awards. been up for so many awards and give him the awards i mean just give them, all <laughs> just give them. them to him just hand them over, <laughs> just hand them over his, his okay. are just insanely wonderful and they've touched in a lot of nerves that the showrunner sierra she's navajo and so she's moved and she moved to la to work mm. in hollywood so it it's got a lot of her experience in there as a Brown person in a writer's room in LA.
2: Also an important story to tell. Yeah. It's so, it's super fascinating to me. I love All it. Right. Maybe, maybe I need to rewatch and to watch that before I do the reservation dogs third rewatch. Good to know. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, and I think my favorite thing about it is that it's just so different. It's so yeah. different reservation dogs. And yet yeah. it's, it tackles a lot of the same things that we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. It's a, a different slice of life I mean a lot of urban natives like myself I can relate more to those characters than I can Eastern Oklahoma characters I mean I, I knew those people growing up and Lord knows I went to Indian housing with my friends but I definitely grew up more westernized so I have a lot more in common with those characters in going to museums and giving the spiel and you know being asked to dress up as certain historical physical figures and it doesn't matter, oh it doesn't matter if it's accurate. No, 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 it doesn't matter. That kind of
2: thing. A little a little tokenism, maybe. A little, you know, ah, Very here's my much. Indian friend. <laughs> Very <laughs> much. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean they're all you know, and I, I hope that more and more you know, I hope it gets to the point where we're going to start seeing bad television made by Indigenous people because there's plenty of bad television being made by white folk, right? So, like, <laughs> like, you know, I hope that it's so there's it's so widespread that we're going to get you know to that point. But, you know, until then, any anything anything with a different perspective um is fascinating and and well worth consuming and this one sounds like a good one and you're you know you and you can't be I mean there are going to be plenty of people with a perspective similar to yours and 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 much more and feeling much more you know like you said tied or related to those characters surely
0: I think I think the big appeal of Reservation Dogs is it does have the Uncle Brownies and those kind of wacky characters that everybody knows the crazy auntie that beads all night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I still love that joke. <laughs> 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 oh, what are, wow, I know what this is what.
2: What are these? It's the microphone cord. <laughs> I mean, it's what TV show would it be without a dick joke at some point, right? So oh, that was, was so that was perfect. It, it was. was so uh, good. And also to cut through that storyline of, you know, absent father and feeling your family. And it was, I was like, I needed this moment of, of, of levity kind of to, to yeah, no, that was, yeah, that's a good one. Oh my uh, god! I'd forgotten about that until just now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. It's a
1: good one. Oh gosh! I follow that bead worker, and it was i, I hope she got—I hope she got so many commissions and follows and that. But I was like, oh my gosh, I love it.
3: <laughs> oh, who was yeah. the actual bead worker? Who was it that did the beads? Oh the man, bead what's
1: her name? I couldn't. I, I don't remember her name, but I she don't know. Was... But when
0: powwow season starts up, I hope I see a bunch of pickle what? medallions.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would wear. 100% woodware. <laughs> I would. I mean, just do it, you know.
0: Well, and Janice Schmieding on Rutherford Falls is also a very talented beat artist.
1: Yeah. I tried so hard to get in on her, like her, her drops. Nope snatched up like that can't it. wow
0: well this is the cutthroat world of instagram bead drops
1: yeah Maddie. i'm never on time oh. you have to oh my really?
2: god really
1: yeah it's a full-on it's a full-on way of life it's a full-on business i love i love supporting their business when i can but because i and i love that this this was just something I discovered during the pandemic. And I think a lot of native artists and artists in general were like discovering in the pandemic is that they don't need art galleries. They don't necessarily <laughs> need art galleries to sell their stuff. You know when you have Instagram and Facebook and you're like, Hey, if you like my stuff, I'm going to do a drop. I'm going to have this many pieces here. They are. And I'm going to drop them at five o'clock this this time oh, zone. the panic
2: the absolute panic for that oh, story so. right? you know? absolutely and knowing I've only got five choices or five opportunities or 20 or whatever it happens to be yeah I'll yeah. snap that up oh yeah. yeah there's
3: one one artist who does earrings and she only sends it to specific people that buy and so there's two sisters I know where one sister has to beg the other sister to let her in.
2: (laughs) Oh, baby, that's almost grounds for a family divorce. Mm.
0: (laughs) Now I got to know who that
2: is. (laughs) I'm trying to remember who it is, that I'll I'll ask. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, was it through adversity breeds creativity, right? But I have never in my life bought so much local merch or craft anything as i have from 2020 onwards i was like oh that's my favorite restaurant i'll buy their t-shirt or that's my favorite you know ceramicist um i'm gonna buy a little cute thing or whatever and then all of a sudden yeah you find yourself setting your alarm which i did mere moments ago before joining you guys for a conversation for a guy <laughs> who really I, I missed out on the first drop of the sweatshirts uh he did a second one <laughs> to snap that up and it was like three times more expensive than i would ever pay and i'm like what am i doing why but supported a local artist yeah (laughs) (laughs) still I feel Uh, you I absolutely feel you what a great way though for people to be able to get exposure and not have to set mm -hmm. up a you know a bougie website Instagram and Facebook just get it on there yeah well and our our mutual friend has asked she's like
0: is it okay if I wear things these beautiful items created by these indigenous artists and I'm like 100% yes I would rather you pay these artists a fair right. price for this beautiful artwork to wear, then buy it at American Eagle, some ripoff, mass marketing, blah blah blah. I was
2: I was going to ask about like at what point. So you mentioned the the beautiful piece that you got for your fiance Candace. Yes. Now is that something that like if I'm like oh my god gorgeous want to wear statement piece. I mean and I appreciate as well it comes with an intent as well like you know, I'm not trying to be you know if someone's like oh no I wanted to wear it because it was beautiful and respectful or I just wanted to wear it because it looked fly what have you but I mean is that when do we veer into headdresser Coachella territory Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <boy. laughs> that's right?
1: a, oh my gosh that's quite a that's quite a scale because you know there's a character <laughs> in Reservation Dogs that kind of he he kind of walks that fine line where he's wearing like He's wearing Lakota bone bead necklace,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, that
1: that um the guy at the junkyard. I was about to say is oh, the guy
2: at the car yard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what's funny is the only people I see wearing those are the people who, you know, they are Lakota, they are Nakota, they are Dakota, they're from the, the Sioux nations. Or they're the people that are trying too hard. <laughs> like there's some natives <laughs> who like. They try too hard to, okay. to prove, to prove right, their right. Indianness because sure. because things, you know, that, that's just part of intergenerational trauma. I think it's just, you feel like you got to prove something because you feel like something was taken from you. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, so I got to try extra hard to impress uh, the natives, but you don't have to do that. We just want you to be yourself, you know? So I guess it depends on the piece for sure, because headdresses, sure. no, headdresses, never, <laughs> like <that's, laughs> there's never an appropriate time for non-native, for non-native people or, from someone maybe even outside of that nation, you know, if that, if that is a Lakota war bonnet, it's a Lakota war bonnet or a a headdress. And you probably, it probably shouldn't be worn by anybody, but a Lakota person, unless they gifted it to someone else. But as far as like, oh, hey, I've actually got an example actually of Charlie Johnson's piece. If you just give me one moment, I'm not going to try to make too much noise. Yeah. And
0: you know, my, my people in Alaska, they wear a specific etiquette that has been adopted throughout the state so everybody wears it it's kind of become like an alaska thing but there are ceremonial things that aren't usually available to the general public that you should avoid now if if it's out there it's for sale chances are there's nothing sacred or anything about it so it should be fine
1: oh okay oh wow oh that's That's gorgeous oh it's charlie's charlie's charlie made it So this, this would be appropriate, I think, for native and non-native to wear, because we acknowledge that, you know, Creek people and a lot of the five bigger, big tribes here in Oklahoma, we acknowledge that this was given to us uh, through our interactions with settlers and and the colonists, because these Mm -hmm. were given as gifts and trade items. So these originally came from like this shape, you know, the the word gorget, like it's from a French word, I think that means like throat. So it was like originally like a piece of armor or something that was meant to protect your throat. So these were given, you know, as gifts. And so I think that, in my opinion, I think that Native and non-Native people can wear it. And it's just a token of appreciation. And uh, this is a Mississippian symbol that was sprinkled throughout reservation dogs that maybe go squee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is harkens back to the time of uh, mound builders and mound building culture. You know that's called. Uh, I've heard different names for this. I've heard it called like a warbird or a double double-headed woodpecker. You know, it's a beautiful piece, and you know, uh, we see our woodpecker oftentimes as like a wood a warbird and symbol of war. So you know, it's meant to be like fierce. It's meant to be that statement piece. Uh, we had in our our pre-colonial gorgets would have been made from shell would have been made from shell and while we we know that we were copper workers copper coppers here in the United States so okay. we know that we were silversmiths before before some different types of silver was coming over we do acknowledge that we were copper workers as well so those kinds of pieces if it's a copper piece or if it's a shell piece like that's pre-colonial and um, so it's I, falling it, in
2: the in the kind of okay to yeah. okay to wear and to own my, my theory is this I think you know if any any piece like that in in, in any culture and you know when I traveled through Europe that was all I wanted to do was get you know beautiful lace from a, a Romanian lady and I wanted to get um you know all the different places I went I wanted to get something like amazing and my kind of goal was was to ethically source as best as I could right so I was like look you know if I'm Feeling that this isn't a tourist tat thing on the side of the road, that I'm not going to a store that's knocking this off and is not paying the designer or is not, you know, anything like that. I might. So for me and my personal kind of scale of Coachella headdress to um to an item is to make sure that if it is if it is sold to me by someone in that culture, hopefully with the best of intentions, I'm probably okay to wear it, use it enjoy it because I wouldn't be offered or, or you know and it, it wouldn't they wouldn't it wouldn't be appropriate for them to sell it to me and it wouldn't be appropriate for me to, to have it would it not be is that kind of would you say that's a, a good litmus test for purchasing and owning
1: I would say so especially when you're dealing with like individual artists that made their own things now yeah. things like dream catchers you know that you find in a store and shop you know maybe
2: not so much what else could be an example of I feel, oh my God, I made Dreamcatchers as a teenager and had no idea of the heritage, right? So I was just like, we all did. Yay! And then was like, oh, cool. And that was was my headdress moment, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We used to make
0: Ojo de Dios when we were on the Southern Ute Reservation. And honestly, I don't know the origin of those, but now that I think back to it, I probably should look that up. But they were- sticks with yeah 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 with the yarn
3: around, yarn it, around it oh yeah.
2: yeah i've seen that
3: yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought about it either you know okay i'm sure we all made them did you make them candles
1: no see i just saw some i was asked to go judge an art show not too long ago middle school art show and i definitely saw those and i was like i don't ever remember making those
3: hmm. yeah we did out west we did in broken bow oklahoma <laughs> during church camp too i guess that's the god, hey, god, I, have, I have god right um, i have god, I have god so, yeah i wonder if that's a i wonder if it's like a hybrid of the the religion christian religion and, and native probably. culture
2: well, there's so if- there's so much where as soon as you look into it you're like oh you all just borrowed that from there and borrowed that from there and put it together <laughs> cool i see what you did there oh my gosh <laughs> that
0: was my favorite thing about going to india was seeing how the church was like, oh, yeah, we're going to put Jesus on a lotus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: sure. No one will notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: fine. Well, any
2: parting thoughts on reservation dogs? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, none that I haven't discussed here. I don't think it is bloody refreshing to start seeing so much. And I think reservation dogs, so far, just style wise, appeals to me the most to start seeing art. That is made by, for and with Indigenous people that isn't about the history trauma, but still nods to that and accepts to that and 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 all that sort of thing, because it is, and I'm not saying that to sweep it under the rug, but to acknowledge it and to, that there is a different life that not everyone is living, thinking about that all day, every day. It was eye-opening and bloody entertaining for a non-American. It made me laugh very much. I can't wait for season two. When's it coming out? Have they you got any have- spoilers? no they've just
0: finished in the writer's room they're securing locations right now okay i've seen so i'm gonna guess they're gonna
2: start rolling what march april maybe end of the year we might start hearing a few sneaky okay good well i haven't heard how many episodes
0: they're going to get this time
3: when did it drop the first episode what date do you even with-
0: you know we shot the pilot i was i was in tulsa during sept in september i want to say okay but you know there's that drag time between pilot and getting picked up versus just shooting the whole season yeah because i think once they started shooting season two it went really quick
3: Mm -hmm. it was about april right maybe they started shooting
0: we did fry bread yeah like in april and then it dropped in July. Is that right? That's, about right?
2: That's a really quick turnaround. Yeah. All right. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was absolutely lovely to chat with you guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah,
3: thank you, Maddie. It was good talking with you.
2: <laughs> thank <laughs> thanks,
0: Maddie. guys. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we're all anticipating season two of Reservation Dogs. And we will... Be back with more quality content from Real Indigenous. Keep it real, (laughs) y'all. Way to get that in right as I'm clapping it (laughs) closed.
3: All right. All you cats and kittens and puppy dogs and mittens, y'all hear that? That's them res dogs telling us to shut this shit down. So that'll be it for our coverage of Reservation Dogs. Now, covering each episode like this was a lot for us, and it'll be a while before we do something like that again, but if it's something you like and you want us to rave about another show, episode by episode, just let us know. Just hit us up at that Facebook site and let us know what you desire. In other words, slide into our DMs. But for now, we're going to take a break for a little bit, enjoy the summer sun, and drink a few drinks by the old dirty pond, but we'll be back before you even know it. So just remember to punch that subscribe button so you'll know when we show up on your little podcast machine. And when we come back, we'll do more yapping about another badass TV show I'm sure y'all will be watching or should be watching called Rutherford Falls. And for that one, we'll just do an overall discussion of the series before that second season starts. Also we'll talk about Thunderheart and maybe a little bit about Night Raiders and try to watch some movies within a week of the release and get some discussion on those. Also, maybe some interviews and just a whole lot of bullshit. Also, I see that Big got his own spin-off series over on AMC. I guess he's gonna be on the Navajo reservation trying to solve some fish falling from the sky and finding Bigfoot out there. It's a crazy little series called Dark Wind, and not to be mistaken with Dark Darkwing Duck. So let's we'll see what Big does over there, and hopefully he'll come back to the Muskogee Creek Reservation to solve some crimes there too so if we got time we'll kind of talk about some of that too so chill out enjoy what the rest of the podcast world offers and pop on over when we come back from our hiatus and by the way a lot of those other podcasts ask folks to rate and review their shit so we're going to try that rate and review this joint and if you do and give us five stars we might read it on the air as long as it's appropriate of course and if it's the right kind of inappropriate, we might read it a few times. All ready, all righty, all ready now. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon at some indigenous time on this indigenous channel. And remember, don't just keep it real, keep it real indigenous. Yuck-o-key.